Welcome to Shanahan on Literacy, the site that's devoted to the idea that there is nothing more noble than to teach somebody to read. I'm your host, Tim Shanahan, and today we're going to explore a blast from the past. How can we take advantage of the reading-writing relationship? This blog entry first appeared on February 22nd, 2020, and there were no podcasts of it at that time. It's been a while since I've written about how writing instruction can boost reading achievement. When I first started writing about that almost 50 years ago, it was virtually an unknown topic. (laughs) These days, most teachers tell me that they agree that writing can improve reading, though they don't seem to have much understanding of the concept, and quite often they skip the writing because of the pressure they feel to get higher reading achievement. (laughs) And so it goes. Given some recent experiences with such conversations, I thought it'd be a good idea to revisit this topic. I reviewed this blog entry, and I didn't find anything I wanted to change, but the original had no references, so I included several of my own work in this arena uh, that might be of use to you. I believe that a quarter of your language arts instruction should focus on writing, and this entry provides some practical advice that can help you to accomplish that well. The reason I'd written the blog originally was a teacher had written to me and asks, everyone says reading and writing are connected, but our school focuses only on reading. We have a reading program. We don't have a writing program. We test the students three times a year in reading, but never in writing. Writing isn't even on our report card, though I guess it's part of language arts. What should we be doing with writing? (laughs) And my response, you came to the right place. I think your school is making a big mistake not giving sufficient attention to writing. When I was a teacher, my primary grade kids wrote every day. When I became a researcher, I conducted studies on how reading and writing are related. When I was director of reading for Chicago, I required 30 to 45 minutes per day of writing in all of our classrooms. There are, of course, a lot of good reasons why someone should learn to write. Many jobs, mine included, require it, and often jobs that require a lot of writing pay better, though I'm sure many nurses would disagree with that last point. Of course, writing is also an important form of self-expression. Just as there are people who play musical instruments, dance, sing, paint, knit, cook, and so on, there are many who use writing as a form of self-expression and a form particularly useful for preserving memory. All those are terrific reasons for teaching writing. (laughs) I'm going to guess that the reason your school is ignoring writing is because someone figured doing this might help raise reading scores. I say that's a mistake because writing can also be a path to higher reading achievement. So your kids and your school are really missing out. Instead of promoting higher reading scores, your school is probably squashing them. So, there are lots of reasons for teaching writing, and this entry will focus on one of them, how writing can help kids to become measurably better readers. Research has identified three important ways reading and writing are connected, and all three deserve a place in your curriculum. First, reading and writing draw upon the same body of knowledge and skills. If you want to be a reader, you must perceive the separable phonemes within words. Those are all those language sounds like in cat. You have to be able to recognize the most common spelling patterns, link meanings to the words in text, vocabulary, understand the grammar well enough to permit comprehension of sentences, trail cohesive links accurately, 
recognize and use discourse structures. Texts are organized, and recognizing this in text improves comprehension. Of course, background knowledge plays an important role in reading comprehension, too. So the more readers know about their world, the better they may do in reading. (laughs) Yep, learning to read requires all of that. But think about it. That knowledge is all integral to writing as well. If kids can't hear the phonemes, match sounds and letters, and remember spelling patterns, they won't be able to get words on the page. The same can be said about all those other linguistic and content features of text needed for reading. That means when you're teaching the foundations of reading, you're also teaching the foundations of writing. It is the same knowledge base, and yet they play out differently because readers and writers start in different places. A reader looks at the author's words and starts decoding, matching the phonology in their head to the author's orthography, their spelling. The writer thinks about the words he or she wants to write, thinks about the phonemes, and tries to remember what letters or patterns represent those. The same thing happens with the other elements, too. One starts with ideas and turns them into written language. The other marches in the opposite direction. (laughs) My advice about knowledge? Teach the skills that you teach now, but then think hard about them. How would kids use that skill in reading and writing? For example, when you teach letter sounds, you should be teaching kids to use those sounds to sound out words. It's a pathetic phonics lesson that includes no decoding practice, but you also should have students trying to write words. Many programs include uh, dictation, and that's great. Myself, I'm partial to invented spelling because it provides such extensive and supportive practice with the sounds. The blog entry here includes a, a, a message that a, a, a young child wrote. Uh, Hermit crabs live in shells. Sometimes they live on the beach. And the way this is spelled is uh, hermit is H-E-R-M-E-T. Crabs is K-R-A-B-S. Live is L-I-V. In, just the way you would spell it, I hope. Uh, shells, S-H-E-L-S. Sometimes, S-U-M is some, and times is T-I-M-S. They, T-H-A, live, L-E-V, on the beach, B-E-C-H. This piece of writing didn't take long uh, for this first grader to produce, but to do it, the student had to try to analyze 38 phonemes. (laughs) He got most of them reasonably right, too. The most ambitious phonemic awareness lessons usually would not have individual children practicing anything like 38 phonemes, so encouraging this kind of writing is smart teaching. You can do the same with older kids when you teach informational text structure. For reading, that would entail teaching how problem-solution texts are organized and then having kids read such text to practice using that awareness to gin up their comprehension. That can be made even more effective if you have kids composing their own problem-solution texts, and what a great opportunity to review science or social studies content at the same time. Remember, I said knowledge is important. Teaching kids that underlying knowledge that we use in reading and writing makes great sense. Well, there's a second area as well. Reading and writing are both communications processes. Studies show that writers think about their audiences and what they need to tell their readers to communicate effectively. That might not be surprising, but there are also studies showing the value of having readers think about authors and authors' perspectives. 
This is emphasized in most educational standards as well and is essential for reading history and for certain approaches to literary texts too. Writing approaches that involve kids in reading and responding to each other's texts have been found to be beneficial in improving the quality of kids' writing. There are any number of ways that teachers facilitate this kind of sharing that heightens student awareness that texts are written by somebody and that can sensitize young authors to the kinds of things that may confuse or entice their readers. Writing conferences, writers' workshop, revision circles are just a few ways to accomplish this. On the reading side, it can help to read texts in which authors have a strong voice or style. It is, for example, terrific when kindergartners find they can recognize Dr. Seuss books or when third graders can distinguish a Beverly Cleary from a Barbara Cooney with their eyes closed. I like to have these students write imaginary biographies of such authors based on the content and tone of the text we're reading. Of course, as kids get older, having them read primary source text sets in their social studies classes and then evaluating the trustworthiness of this material based on who the authors are and when they recorded their ideas. Basically, being an author can give students insights into what's happening offstage. What's the author doing back there? Which can boost one's critical reading ability. Likewise, being a thoughtful reader gives writers insights into what their readers might need. The third way that reading and writing can connect is through combined use. Reading and writing can be used together to accomplish goals. Most research on combined uses have emphasized two specific academic goals, so I'll limit my comments to those, specifically studying or learning from text and composing synthesis papers like school reports. In the first, writing is added to reading to increase understanding or memory. Research finds that writing about what one is trying to learn from text is beneficial. Often when students read for a test, they read and reread and hope for the best. Studies indicate that reading and writing summaries, analyses, critiques, or syntheses of the information has a powerful and positive impact on learning, much more than just rereading. We should be teaching students how to use writing in concert with reading to improve comprehension, increase knowledge, and to conquer academia. Boys and girls should have that in their kit bag that, gee, when I have to read something that I really have to learn, writing about it in various ways can increase the chances that I'll be successful with that. For the second goal, the emphasis is on synthesis writing. You know, this is the writing reports and so on. Teaching students how to collect information uh, appropriately from text sources uh, enables easier and more effective syntheses. Instead of just having kids writing a report with three sources or something like that, guide them to plan a paper with a particular purpose or structure, and then help them to read the text in ways that will facilitate this writing. For instance, if students are to write some kind of comparison of sources, provide a summarization guide that will allow them to collect information from texts in a way that would facilitate comparison. That, that makes sense, such as charting which ideas the texts agree and disagree on. Reading the text in that way should enhance the writing. Too many principals think that ignoring and even discouraging writing frees up time better devoted to higher reading scores. Too many teachers are anxious about writing because of the limited preparation they've received in this area in their colleges. 
But having kids writing every day in any and all of the ways described here is a good idea. Not doing so leaves reading achievement points on the table. (laughs) As Vivian says in Pretty Woman, big mistake. And that's my final word on that for this session on Shanahan on Literacy. If you go to my website, Shanahan on Literacy, and and look at the uh, January 20th entry, it will be a reprint of, of this blog entry that first appeared on February 22nd, 2020. It'll also have a connection, uh, a link to that uh, original posting so that uh, you will have access to the 26 comments that that posting attracted. And a lot of times those comments that people post carry information every bit as good as as what's in this uh, original blog entry. Uh, there are also in this January uh, 20th, 2024 posting, there are 13 references. Now, these are not necessarily to specific points made in the paper, though many of them do uh, connect with that. But all of these are studies or papers that I have written over the years about uh, reading-writing relationships. And they go back uh, to, I think the oldest one that I included is from 1986. And uh, the most recent one is uh, 2019. So it's it's a uh, a wide range of, of thinking over a long period of time. I also want to thank our sound engineer, Greg Johnson, for making this listenable. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you up the road a piece. <laughs>